0: Hello? Oh, yeah. Okay. Hey, thanks, everybody. Uh, We often say we don't take ourselves very seriously, but we take the gospel very seriously, and it's very true. Uh, But what I was saying is I absolutely love um, when we get to just spend time in prayer, and as I'm praying, I can hear the room rumble with people having a real conversation with a real God, and He's listening, and the Spirit is moving and at work, and Man, I I love those moments where you just sit and hear the room just talking to to Jesus. It is amazing. Uh, Church, uh, this morning uh, we have a fun passage to go over, but uh, before we get into that, I'd like to share a little quick story with you guys. My sophomore year of college, spring break was coming up and uh, a bunch of us in my fraternity were like, hey, what are we going to do for spring break? What, what are we going to do to uh, kind of spend a week away from campus and go away from home? We wanted to go on some sort of trip. And for whatever reason, a group of the guys were like, hey, let's go hiking. Let's go to Canyonland in Moab, Utah. And I was like, oh, you guys want to go hiking for spring break? Okay. And so we start talking about it. And for whatever reason, I say yes. And so we go on this trip uh, to go hiking. And, and the trip started okay. And uh, our second day in, we decided to take a 12 mile hike. And so I've got a picture from the 12 mile hike here. Uh, if you, you turn down the lights a little bit, you can kind of see I'm on the edge of a cliff. I kind of got the Superman hands going and I'm just kind of looking out to the rest of the Canyon. Uh, and it's a sweet picture and I loved it. And so I was like, man, that's a really cool picture. I'm going to put that one on Facebook and I'm going to put it as my cover photo on Facebook, like the, the big back banner page, uh, picture. And so, uh, I really wanted to cultivate and show people like, hey, I'm really outdoorsy. (laughs) I I absolutely crushed that trail. And and so I kind of put this up, kind of misleading and deceiving people, because if they saw this, they would think, oh, that's really cool. Alex spent spring break on a trip where he went hiking, and and they had a lot of fun, and there's kind of the end of the trail where you can kind of see it. Uh, But If I told you the truth about that trip, it was nothing like what this picture kind of shows. So, uh, one... I'd never been hiking before this trip. Two, I did not own hiking shoes. Three, I bought my sleeping bag the day we left for Moab, Utah. Four, when we went on this walking trip, on this hiking trip, I only took one bottle of water. And I think there were only two other of us that took water with us. We had no compass. We had no idea what we were doing. None of us had ever done anything like this. And so we left for this 12-mile hike at like... Uh, like noon And so if you know, yeah So by the time it got to the end Where we reached the end of the hike And had to go all the way back We're like, oh, the sun's going down What do we do? And so we start rolling And I'm super dehydrated through the, rest, the whole thing Because I just wasn't actually taking care of my body And drinking water And so this trip was nothing Like what this picture seems like And so the behind the scenes Is actually like this second picture Of what the trip was really like So, you can kind of see all my buddies are like climbing and they're doing okay. And yeah, this guy who's terrified for his life is me. Um, so that's really what the whole experience was like. It was horrible. But what I showed to the rest of the world and what I wanted them to see was uh, just this picture of me going, yeah, like I crushed it. I killed it. I did awesome. And I was kind of full with empty talk because people would ask me about the trip and I would say, oh yeah, we did great. You know, we went on all these hikes. I I." we went shopping for food, we cooked outside, and I'm kind of trying to showcase something that wasn't actually true, that wasn't actually what it really was, and what the full details maybe promised to the people or to the stories that I was trying to show. And so this morning, as we dive into Titus, uh, we're going to see something very similar. A people who, who are uh, giving this false gospel, who are leading people astray, who are totally just deceiving people uh, with a false truth and not a actual truth and what's really going to point them towards God. Uh, And we kind of do this oftentimes with a lot of different things. Whether it's our social media accounts, or whether it's on a Sunday morning and people ask how we're doing, and we say, oh, we're okay, but really it's one of the worst weeks we've ever had. And we're full of empty talk at different moments and at different times, and maybe we don't even realize we're doing it, but uh, we can come across that way. And so what we're going to see today is Paul says uh, to rebuke the empty talkers, to rebuke the false gospel, to continue to go after those who are leading people astray from Jesus so that they would actually see him, because the gospel stands tall, and our Our faith is not just something we simply say, but our faith is something that we live out. And so today we're going to continue to dive in uh, to see how Paul calls us to uh, just continue to uh, walk in life as we see false gospel. So if you would, please read with me uh, verses 10 to 12. It says this, for there are many rebellious people full of empty talk and deception, especially those from the circumcision party. It is necessary to silence them. They are ruining entire households by teaching what they shouldn't in order to get money dishonestly. One of their very own prophets said, "Cretians are liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. So Paul continues to talk about uh, and tell Titus of these false teachers that are on the island of Crete and kind of going through and, and preaching this false gospel, right? They're, they're rebellious. They're full of empty talk. They're deceiving people. when he calls them out, and he calls out specifically the circumcision party. Doesn't sound like much of a party to me, uh, but they're coming in and they're teaching these false gospels and they're trying to point, they're saying, hey, if you're just circumcised, if you do this one thing, then you can be saved and your life is good. You're golden after that. And they're leading people astray completely from God and they're ruining these households. They're using their status to manipulate people just for their own gain, for their financial gain. And Paul's saying, hey, we need to address these things because these people are simply after their own motivation. They're after themselves. They only want to see self-exaltation. And if we really looked at the island of Crete, it was so bad. It was so bad to the point if you used the, the noun Crete and used it as a verb, it meant to lie or to be full of empty talk. Like if you say, oh, you're just creeting," it, it would mean like, oh, you're lying. You're full of empty. Like that's how bad it was in that community and in that day and age. And what this shows me is when we're deceiving people when we are full of empty talk, when I am full of empty talk, man, it impacts the people who I'm actually sharing that conversation with. It, it does it isn't just about me in that moment because it impacts the one who I'm lying to. It impacts the one who I'm trying to deceive and manipulate for my own gain. And here we see it happened with the circumcision party and the people in Crete. And, and even today, right? It, it didn't just happen then. It still happens every single day where people, where businesses uh, are being led astray, where people are deceiving others for their own gain, they're manipulating people, and sometimes it comes from people you don't even expect. Like, sometimes it comes uh, from people who you're like, man, I had them in such high regard, and I didn't think that they would deceive me in that way. Because here, the the people in Crete, my guess is they weren't going to the religious leaders and thinking, man, these people are going to be People who are going to deceive me. They, they probably thought these are people who are supposed to bring me closer to God. These are people who are supposed to lead me to Him. And yet these people completely led them astray and, and wanted their own gain out of them. They didn't care about their souls, they cared, they cared about their wallets. And, and today, this same thing is still happening. And it impacts people. It impacts the people they're lying to. It impacts the people they're deceiving. It impacts the people that they're trying to manipulate for whatever reason. And maybe you have been hurt by somebody. Maybe you've been hurt by a business or a church or a church leader in your past and in your life, and they deceived you or they've lied to you or they've uh, given you these false promises and empty talk. And uh, what's the result of that? It doesn't lead people to Jesus. It does the exact opposite. It ruins the witness of the gospel in that community, typically. It damages the witness of the gospel, and people have been hurt by church leaders in such a way that makes them completely turn away from God. Over and over again, this has happened in our world and in our time and in our day. I've got friends, and I'm sure that many of you have friends and people in your life who have maybe been impacted by people who would call themselves Christians, but all they do is condemn them and judge them for their entire life, and it gets to the point to where they just say, man, I'm done with that. If that's what God's like, if that's what God's people are like, I want nothing to do with that. And so they walk away from the gospel completely. Right? Maybe maybe you have some friends or some stories or maybe your story is that way. Now for us, hurting people with our words, hurting people with our action, isn't the only way that we do damage to gospel witness. If this is the life that we're leaving, if we're uh, totally manipulating people with our words or or how we talk to them, that's not the only way. But even uh, trying to deceive them behind the scenes actually is damaging to the gospel witness too. When we're full of empty talk uh, and our lies and our manipulation, stuff that's not direct, but it's maybe something we're trying to put on behind the scenes it still also ruins the gospel to some extent but my question is why do we do that why do we try to put on a front sometimes why, why do we try to fill ourselves with empty talk or or deceive people with a picture on social media it, well i think one of the main reasons why we do that is because we want to exalt ourselves like like the people who were leading the circumcision the circumcision party in Crete. Right, The, the verse uh, 11, it tells us that uh, they were, their own motivation was themselves. It was self-exaltation. And so we are full of empty talk at times because we just want people to think highly of us. So we kind of brag a little more than we actually probably should, or we post only nice pictures on social media because we don't want people to see that life is actually really hard, and we take the one picture where our family has smiled together for the first time in two weeks, and we post it and say, everything's okay, when it's not. And we try to blind people and say, actually, this is what my life is like. And when, then when maybe they come to see or experience or hear about what your life is truly like, There's some deception there, and they know you have maybe a relationship with Jesus, and they go, I didn't know that's what Christians were supposed to be like. See, our deception, our lies, our empty talk, uh, all this stuff to try and build ourselves up, man, it, it, it harms the gospel witness that we have. It harms the opportunities that we have to actually share Jesus with others. A second reason why I think we lie or manipulate or uh, try to put up a false front is because uh, we don't want to be confronted and we don't want confrontation with people. Right? If you've done something wrong and someone approaches you and asks you, hey, did you, did you do this? I heard this or whatever. And, and, you, and you lie in that moment because you don't want to deal with the hard conversation. Or, or you smudge just a little bit enough to be able to get away with it and go, oh, I just, I really didn't know. Or you try to cover it up with whatever sort of thing because you're like, it is much easier to not have that hard conversation. And so we say, hey, I'm just going to smudge and lie just a little bit because it's an inconvenience to have a real hard conversation with somebody when I actually probably need to apologize or tell the truth or come forward with something. But all these lies, these fake personalities that we maybe put on, they make us just like the people in Crete. They make us just like the empty talkers. Maybe we're not sharing like verbally a false gospel, but we're living a false gospel. Like we're not actually walking out our faith with Jesus in those moments. And it's all for our self-motivation. Or maybe it's a business deal and you're trying to sell something at work and you're selling them something that you know isn't actually going to give them what you're telling them it's giving them. Then they get it and then they experience it and they're like, well, this is not at all what I was supposed to buy. How does that actually like play out when you then go to have a gospel conversation with somebody? If people can't trust you with simple conversations in real life, why would they ever trust us with conversations about Jesus Christ and their soul for eternity? Or The way we, we put off this false idea of who we are, this empty talk of, of glamorous pictures on social media or big events, and we uh, try to manipulate people, or we put up pictures that don't match the comments, and it we just kind of goes like, hey, that doesn't really make sense. Right? On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like, it gives you an opportunity to put a bio of who you are. And sometimes the bio doesn't actually match who you truly are. And we're full of empty talk in these moments. And yet Jesus has so much more for us, and he has so much more for us than just words, but actually walking out and living a true life, and living out the gospel, and meeting people where we truly are, and being up front and saying, I'm not okay And that's okay. And to have real authentic conversations with people. We may not be leading people astray with a false gospel verbally, but we might be leading them astray being full of empty talk and not truly showing them who we are and not living out the gospel in our life. And Jesus has so much more for us. So let's keep reading about how Christ has more for us in this next section. Uh, Read with me verses 13 to 14. This testimony is true for this reason. Rebuke them sharply so that they may be sound in the faith and may not pay attention to Jewish myths and the commands of the people who reject the truth. So these people obviously were leading others astray, proclaiming this false gospel and saying, hey, if you just do this one thing, then God will accept you. If you do this, then you're going to be okay with God and you can have eternity with him. They're they're teaching these false myths that if you're circumcised, then you can be saved. And and, uh, they're saying, hey, they're rejecting the truth that Jesus is Lord, that it's all by grace and faith through Christ. They're rejecting that and they're leading all these people astray, not caring about their souls, only caring about their own selfish gain, their wallets and all that they have to gain. But today in our world, this is still happening. And it's happening this very moment at this very instance where people are being led astray and being being fed a false gospel, where something that's not true is being preached. Dozens of false gospels here in our city, here in our very neighborhood, where we walk. Friends, family who we know might be in churches that are preaching these things that aren't actually true. And Paul tells us to rebuke it sharply, to stand up for the gospel. And confrontation, it is not easy. It is not fun, but it's necessary to point people to Jesus. It it says, why why would we rebuke them sharply? So that they may be sound in faith. Confronting people isn't for the sake of confronting people. Attacking a false gospel is not simply to criticize something. Like, if the motivation is your own gain, if the motivation is to come away winning an argument, if the motivation is yourself, it's not true rebuke. It's not true. But the motivation should be that they would come to know who Jesus actually is. That they would see that they're believing all these lies that are being proclaimed to them that aren't actually true. When the integrity of the gospel is at stake, we cannot run and hide. We are armed with the truth, motivated by love for people so that they would see that the false gospel is actually not leading them to Jesus. But we have the true gospel. We know that there is one God who came and died for our sin, that he lived a perfect life that we could not live, and yet we could have eternal life because he died on the cross for us, rose against, defeated our sin and death easily. And we could have eternal life with him. By repenting of our sin and having complete faith and trust in who he is. It is a free gift of salvation that we have. And we are armed with the gospel to give them the good news. Now these Jewish myths were prevalent. And they were creeping into the churches there in Crete. Now we may not have Jewish myths that are creeping into our churches. But like I said, there are false gospels that are prevalent. And, and many of us have friends and family And people that we know, that we hold near and dear, that maybe go to churches that preach false gospels, and maybe you've had conversations with them, and and their faith in Jesus is strong. And they know the true gospel, and God has saved and redeemed them. And praise God, because I truly believe the Lord could save anyone wherever He wants to. And He continues to do it over and over again. And so this morning, I want to be very clear. I want to be very gracious. I am not attacking individuals. I am not even attacking organizations. I'm attacking false teachings and false gospels. And I hate them at the bottom of my heart because they lead people away from Jesus Christ and true faith in who he is and how he redeems them and renews them and restores them and gives them everlasting life and joy and hope and peace with the one true king. Not a false truth. And so that's what we're here to talk about this morning. The false gospels that run prevalent because these teachings, a lot of them claim to be Christian teachings or they claim to have a relationship with Christianity, yet they deny the foundational truths and Christian doctrines and they follow themselves and they maybe follow one specific person at the front of it all who dictates the false teaching, who says, this is what it is. So how do we know if, if we're hearing a false gospel? How do we know if a friend or, or sibling or family member or someone in our life is hearing a false gospel? If you walk into a church and you hear a sermon that doesn't glorify Jesus, if the glory goes to the preacher or to the building or to the people, that's a false gospel. Because the glory should always go to Jesus Christ, and the glory should always go to the one who's redeemed us, and the glory should always go to the one who actually saved us in the God of the universe, not ourselves, not some preacher, not some person, but always to Jesus. And you should steer clear of a gospel that is any other way. Friends, the first false gospel that we see, I'm not going to name specifically things, but maybe this has been taught in a church that maybe you grew up in or family are hearing this, this false gospel. And the first one is a works-based salvation. I think this is the most common one that we may be run into in our day and age, a works-based salvation. If the teacher uh, starts teaching that you need to do something in order to be saved, That you maybe need to be baptized. If you're not baptized, then you're definitely not saved. Or if they say you need to be baptized, and then in a couple years you need to be confirmed. That's how you're going to be saved. If they say you need to do anything at all in order to be saved outside of trust in Jesus Christ, that is a false gospel. That is not true. And it is wicked and it is leading people astray from Jesus. Romans chapter 1 tells us that the gospel has the, pow- that has the power of God to save everyone who believes. Not everyone who believes and is baptized. Not everyone who believes and gives lots of money. Not everyone who believes and does this and that and makes sure they're at church every single Sunday and doing everything that the church makes them do. It's everyone who believes in Jesus and Jesus alone. That's the gospel. That's the truth. It's not about doing all these other things. It's not Jesus and something. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Ephesians 2 tells us that we are saved by grace through faith, not by our own works, but by his work, what he has done for us. That's what the scriptures tell us. That is the true gospel. If the teaching maybe that you hear or someone else talks of says that only a certain person, only a certain person can interpret scripture. Maybe only the the preacher or the pastor or the father or the priest or whoever, only they can truly know what the Bible means. Or or, uh, that person, that specific person has the ability to forgive your sin. That is a false gospel. That is not true at all, right? Um, We know 1 Timothy 4, James chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 6, Colossians chapter 3. All of those scriptures talk about how we as God's people should dwell in his word. How the Bible is for all of us to take in. Not just for some person who stands on a stage and gives a message on Sunday mornings. But it's for all of us, Colossians 3, to dwell richly in his word. To meditate on his word. It's not just something that some person can only interpret, but all of us can read into the scriptures and hear of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 43 and Mark chapter 2 tell us that only God can forgive sin. So if you're hearing that you need to go to some specific place, to some specific person, confess your sins so that they will forgive your sin, or they're going to tell you maybe that you need to pray some certain prayer 10 different times in order to be forgiven of your sin, that's not true. Only God can forgive sin. God and God alone. Another false teaching that ruins households is this lie that God wants all Christians to be healthy and wealthy for the rest of their lives. That they need to uh, uh, give all of their money and then God will bless them greatly. That they need to make sure they do all these really great things And give all their money and God will totally take away any sort of pain or any sort of suffering. Or if you just have more faith, then God's going to remove that nasty diagnosis you got. That is a false gospel. Friends, Jesus promised us a hard life. A life that's a living sacrifice. Over and over and over again, he told the disciples that the world will hate you as it hates me. Over and over again, he meant, he tried to mentally prepare them to say, this life is not going to be easy. uh, My wife's a a teacher, and if you don't think that this stuff is happening in our day and age, she was telling me a story uh, that her students were asking her what I do for a living. She told them I'm a pastor, and one of her students go, oh, will he baptize me for free? A kid doesn't ask that unless they've heard or seen that somebody has to pay to be baptized. That's in our city. That are souls in our very city that are hearing false gospels. Jesus saves for free. It is a free gift of salvation that we have in Christ and Christ alone. It is is a lie to believe this fact that uh, if you just have more faith, if you give more money, then he's going to heal you. Then he's going to make you successful. Then he's going to give you all this stuff. If it's all about you, it's not true because it's always about him. Now, uh, if if they deny the authority of the Bible or if they say tradition or some team of people who come together or on top and have just as much authority as the scriptures, that is not true. That is a false gospel. We cannot believe that lie. Second Timothy 3.16 tells us that the scriptures are God breathed, inspired by him. That's the authority, not some person who dictates it every once in a while. But God and God alone is the authority in his word. Revelation 22 tells us not to take away or to add from it. It's not someone who just woke up Sunday, had a new revelation, so they changed the scriptures completely. No, it's all within God's authority and who he says. Or maybe if they start saying that, hey, culture has changed and so the Bible needs to change. Hey, our world is just slightly different than what it was 2,000 years ago, so we probably should uh, just take out a lot of the stuff of the Bible because the culture is just really different. Or if they just start teaching modern experiences and, and, and giving a lifestyle that's all about that, or if they downplay God's justice, if they say hell isn't real, if they say that God doesn't actually care about sin, or they downplay his love, that's all a false gospel. That is not true. God himself is the authority. He does not change. He is constant. He is consistent. Hebrews tells us that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That is the God that we serve. He doesn't change simply because our culture changes. Simply because we say America's a little different than uh, what the Middle East was 2,000 years ago. God's the one who dictates what is true and what is not true. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, it says this. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing truth and will turn aside to myths. There are dozens of hundreds of false gospels being preached every day in this very moment. There are people in our city who are sitting in buildings, in pews, in seats like ours, who are being led astray from Jesus Christ. And it is our charge as believers. It is our great command that God gives to us, that Jesus says in his final words to go and make disciples, to proclaim the gospel, the good news to others, so that they would not be led astray, but so that they would be sound in the faith, as Paul tells us here. It is our great charge to continue to go forward with God's word as the authority, not as us as the authority, not as culture as the authority, not as some team of people as an authority, not as some preacher or pastor or priest or father or bishop or reverend or whoever, but as God, as Jesus Christ as the authority. That's who we listen to. That is the true gospel, to reject the false teachings. Confrontation is not easy. And I'm not saying just grab your Bible and bean them over the head with it. To be gracious and kind and loving, because if we have love, we have nothing. Or if we don't have love, we have nothing. Right? We're to care for others well. And, and rebuking and discussing and pointing out these false gospels, it maybe sounds harsh. And maybe you're thinking, well, just let, just let them do them. Man, their souls are at stake. These are people's lives, people's eternities. That's what's at stake. To truly love and to care for people is to point them towards Jesus. In our membership class, we have this whole section where we talk about the congregation's authority, the people's authority. And we discuss how our authority is to proclaim and protect the good news of Jesus Christ. And so in our membership covenant that we have all of our members sign, we ask them, are you willing to proclaim and protect the gospel? That's a covenant that we make between each other as a church family to say, we're going to continue to share who Jesus is. And we're going to continue to protect who Jesus is and what he says in our own church. We're going to protect against false gospels, and we're going to proclaim Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. But friends, we can say all we want. We can talk about it all we want. But our faith is not just simply words. So let's keep reading. Verses 15 to 16. To the pure, everything is pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. In fact, both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They claim to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. Verse 15 shows us exactly the false teachings, what they are teaching, right? They're teaching Jewish purity laws. That's, that's kind of the false gospel that they're giving to them. And Paul corrects, and he says, you need to rebuke them further. These people are undefiled. They're unbelieving. There's nothing pure about them. Even their minds and their conscience are totally defiled. They're completely leading people straight. So he goes as far as calling these people detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. They claim to know God with their words but they walk away from him or, and are totally disobedient in their works and what they do and who they say they are. Now, as I sit with these verses and as I think of this, man, unfit for any good work, Paul? That seems like a stretch, man. Or is he just exaggerating? Like, couldn't one of those like teachers walk a granny across the street and it's considered like good? You know, can't even people before they know Jesus... Or who don't know Jesus do good things? And the question to respond to that is, what is their motivation? Is their motivation doing it because, man, doing good things makes them feel good? Or do they do good things because they want other people to think they're good people? Like, what's the motivation behind it all? Because apart from Christ, our motivation is ourselves. Apart from Jesus, all we want is to glorify ourselves. We read Isaiah 64, verse 6. It tells us that all of our righteous acts, all of the good things that we do, are, are like filthy rags. Romans 3.10 it says that no one is righteous, not even one. It's easy for us to stand here and to think about false teachers or to think about bad people who do really bad things like murderers or thieves. Or, and it's easy for us to maybe sit here and go, yeah, they're, they're bad people. They're definitely unfit for any good work. They are for sure detestable, disobedient. But this is us. This is all of us. That we are detestable, defiled, disobedient, unfit for any good work apart from Jesus. But the good news, the good news is that Jesus sees the person who's defiled and he restores them completely to make them pure and holy. Jesus sees the person who's disobedient, who continues to sin and run away from him. And yet he runs after them and brings them home and offers them mercy and grace to forgive their sin. Jesus sees the one who's unfit for any good work and he moves into their life, transforms their heart. And then their good works give glory to the father who is in heaven. That is what Jesus does. That's the good news that he continues to change people that he continues to move and to uh, transform lives and shape hearts and to point people back to himself, that we were defiled, we were disobedient, we were detestable, and Christ still came for us. That is the beautiful news, that we worship that God, that we could not accomplish perfection, we could not save ourselves, we could not do anything good enough to redeem ourselves, but only Jesus could. And he doesn't look at any of us and go, you're too bad for me. But he welcomes even the worst of sinners. Welcomes them home with open arms. And we have faith in that God. And that's the true good news. That he pursues people who are detestable, disobedient, and just run away from him. And through faith in him, through repentance of our sin, through turning to him and seeing him for how glorious he is, for how amazing it is, it makes no sense to the world that we don't have to do anything to be saved. It it is so mind-blowing to think, I just have to look to God and believe in him and have faith in him. And yet that's why it's such beautiful news and it makes all the sense. Because that's the good God, good God that we serve and came for us. Jesus restores and makes us new. A renewed people is what he does to our hearts. Because now as believers, we were people who claimed to know God and yet did nothing for his good deeds. But now because of Christ, our faith is walking with him. Friends, even the demons claim to know God. But knowing God and walking with him is much different than just simply saying we have faith. It's much more than our words. It's much more than just putting it in your Facebook bio or your Twitter bio and putting that nice verse that you really like on there. But it's all about actually believing and walking with him. Friends, our our good deeds don't save us. That's not what I'm saying. But when Jesus steps into your life, he totally transforms you. He makes you a new person if you knew the alex that was clinging on to that cliff you would be like that guy's a pastor now (laughs) if you heard some of the stories from friends that i was in college with you would be like that doesn't make any sense and that's what jesus does he changes and transforms lives and i'm a testimony to it all of us are testimony to it because we don't do good works to earn god's favor we do good works because of god's favor We point people to Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. If our faith doesn't produce good works, it's dead, is what James says. If we don't actually commit to Jesus and walk with him and live with him and live out the gospel, it means nothing. It's just words. It's empty talk. We are like the false teachers if we are actually walking with Jesus. And so my question for us this morning is, are are you walking the walk or are you just talking the talk? Are are you just putting it out there, hoping people see you as a good person? Are you just coming to church on Sunday morning saying, hey, I hope people see me and notice me and think I'm an okay person, but not actually walking with Jesus, not actually asking him to transform and to change your heart and to make you more into his image and to have intimacy with him, a real authentic relationship? This, this word that Paul uses in, in Titus, the word know, is, is not just to know with your brain and your mind, but it's like an intimate love, an intimate knowledge of a husband and wife together. That's what knowing Jesus is. That's the knowledge of the truth that he talks about in verse 1, to have this intimate relationship where he totally changes and transforms you. Friends, I have seen our church step up in crazy ways. And I have seen our church live this out day in and day out. And yesterday I I was in awe of God's people. I was in awe of all of you this yesterday because I started thinking back over, over even like the last three months and just reflecting on all the stories that I continue to hear over and over and over again of God's people showing up. God just moving in people's lives, right? A a flooded basement and like 20 people showed up to help clean up the basement. I've witnessed a, a family in need and who goes away for a weekend and I've seen people literally put up an entire fence in one Sunday evening. I've seen people be incredibly generous to the point of providing transportation for somebody so that they could have a car and get to work. I've seen people, countless, time and time again, provide hundreds of dozens of meals for families with new infants. I've seen people step in to commit to one another in membership and say, I'm here for you and you're here for me. Let's run after Jesus together. And it has been absolutely amazing to witness all of this. I saw dozens of people show up yesterday morning to do landscaping. Who, who like likes doing that? Yet, people showed up and linked arm in arm to continue to just serve one another. And here's the crazy thing. Church, I've witnessed you guys do it not because you feel like you have to, not because you think you're trying to earn God's favor, but I've witnessed you guys do it out of love for each other and love for Jesus most of all. Because you've seen how he's changed your life and transformed your heart. And you just want to continue to run after each other in the neighborhood and those around you. I've seen God move in crazy ways. I don't even think we understand what God's doing right now. I I just witnessed the Lord move in the life of our church and I'm blown away at what God's doing here. Because he continues to invite people into just rich, authentic relationships with each other and with him first and foremost. And it is absolutely crazy. And people notice stuff like this. This isn't just like something small. This isn't something that people don't notice. It be seems small. Okay, you're helping friends with their flooded bus basement. Oh, you provided meals for people with new babies. Oh, you cleaned up the church lot. Or, oh, it helped put up a fence. Like, this stuff is impacting people in ways that we can't even imagine. I was talking to um, uh, the, one of the, the guy who owns the house who pe- the people went and put up the fence for. And he's telling me yesterday morning, you have no idea what this witness has done for our neighborhood. Because they saw 20 people out there. And they started asking, oh, was that like your family coming to help? Oh, a, a lot of the people, they were our church. They were from our church. And the neighbors start going, your church is doing that? Like they hired people or, you know, like that, that's what I imagine would go through my mind. It's like, oh, they, they like hired people. No, no, it was the actual people. And God moves in crazy ways because that makes people start wondering and thinking, who does that? That's not normal. Um, this isn't, this is not small stuff. A couple of months ago, I gave a sermon in Acts chapter 2, where I talked about how when the Spirit of God moves, His people moves, and the Spirit of God is moving here, and His people are moving. And if you've been just in a place in your faith where you're just kind of showing up or posting things on social media and you haven't actually been walking with Jesus, I want to invite you to continue to take steps to walk with Jesus intimately. There is no one here who will judge you, but we will invite you with open arms to say, welcome to the family. Let's run after Jesus together. Because we just want to see Jesus do big things. We want to see Jesus redeem and save people. We don't want to be empty talkers, but we want to continue to give the good news of Jesus Christ and point people to him. Because the glory is going to the Father, not to us. Not to us, but to him. Let's pray. Lord. I'm in awe of how you continue to move here. God, I pray that we would be a people who submit to your authority. Who are slow to hear you speak who have intimate relationships with you. Jesus, I pray that we would be a people who aren't full of empty talk, that we would be a people who don't claim to know you but then deny you by our works, but that we would be a people who have faithful intimacy in relationship with you, God, and that you would stir up our heart affections to love one another, to love those around us, and to continue to protect the gospel. Lord, I pray against any false gospel that would maybe creep its way into our doors, God, but I pray that you would continue to use us to proclaim the good news to others who are hearing false gospels. I pray that you would change hearts. I pray that you would give us wisdom and to have kindness and love and grace towards others who are hearing false truth. I pray that you would use us to just point people to you, God, and I pray that you would save people mightily through this. I pray that people would see our good works so that we would be able to give glory to you, Jesus. Would you continue to do more? in your beautiful name. Amen.